How many are happy to be in church? Make some noise. Woo! Isn't it good to be in church on a Sunday? I put up on my Facebook, I said, I am more excited on Saturday to come to church on Sunday than they are to be the, at the club on Saturday night. Can I get an amen for that? Do y'all look forward to being here? I know I do. I woke up this morning, I saw a frost on the ground, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. I'm like, Lord, by faith, I'm going to put on my shorts this morning. I didn't have enough faith for sandals, but I was like, Lord, I got enough faith for shorts. And I see it's getting warmer outside. How many are enjoying the sunshine? Better than two weeks of rain, right? Better than two weeks of rain. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So glad that you are here today. We're going to continue on in our sermon series on the book of Ephesians in the In Him sermon series. During uh, last week, you guys noticed during the second service, we had a special memorial service for Adam and Christina's baby. They lost Azariah. He was born stillborn. And uh, they wanted to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They would have been here today, but uh, Adam actually got sick, but they let me know how thankful they were for this church to support them, and as you uh, see them, just love on them, gently remind them that you're praying for them, and continue to lift up their family, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, because you can just imagine how tough that is, and I want to thank you as a church for showing up uh, yes, uh, last week in, in such large numbers and supporting them and their families and friends. I saw many conversations happening after the service. And so thank you for doing that. We are in the middle of a sermon series going through the entire book of Ephesians. And a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, we're going verse by verse. We started in February. And I said, we got about 50 or 60 more to go. I really underestimated the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians doesn't have 50 or 60 verses. It has 155 Guess which one we're on today? Six. Six of 155. When did we start? February. Started the first week of February. We're going to be in this book for a long time. So this is what I want you all to do. Read your Bible. Read the book of Ephesians every week. You have seven days a week, 168 hours to live. Can I get an amen? It only takes 20 minutes to read the book of Ephesians. Then you can read all the other things on your reading plan. But make sure to do this. If you need an audio Bible, look it up online. iTunes has free audio Bibles. Streetlights even has an app which puts it over hip-hop for those who want to work out, pump some iron and listen to the Bible. We are breaking these verses into sections, and you will see them as well in your Bible, especially if you have a study Bible. But even if you're just using uh, one of those Bibles that you can find online, uh, would you switch it to the Bible for me, please? You can see as you go through it, it takes the, the, the chapters into sections, and you'll see that the section we're in right now is chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. So he's going to put it up here for you. And uh, I got it, sir. Thank you. You can see it right here, and this is how my, you know, no tricks up my sleeve. This is what makes my job easy, and I want you guys uh, to be able to do this on your own as well. Look at your app if you have it out there, and you'll see right there it starts in verses 1 and 2, rock and roll, and then boom, little, little heading there. You all see that up there? Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. So what are we learning right now in this passage are the 14 things that Paul is thankful for. One of them is glorious grace. Somebody say glorious grace. 
Okay, are you with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3? Let's go there. You guys are going to listen to this 14 times. I believe this is our fourth time going through this passage. Look at it, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, reading on down. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand why we're talking about praising God for these things? Because in the middle of the sermon series, in Him, and watch this, we, we name the sermon series in Him because it's all about being in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at that triangle as an example of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are in God. See if you can catch that in the middle of the reading that we have. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? With every spiritual blessing in who? In Christ. There's your first one. Let's keep going. For he chose us. Oh, y'all sleeping on this right now. For he chose us. In him, there's your second one, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now I want us to read verse 6 together. This is the sermon, this is the message for the sermon today. One, two, three. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. There's the third time, in the one he loves. Look at verse 7. What? Boom, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I'm going to have to do a little sneaky-peaky into verse 7 there, okay, because it talks about grace as well. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Y'all ain't bored yet, are you? We're reading the Bible today. It's fun to read your Bible, right? What's the next part of, of verse 11? What does it say? In him, I've lost count, but it's a lot, right? In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out how many things? Everything. Thank you. In conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, thank you, might be for the praise of his glory. I was made to praise. That was the song today. If y'all missed the first song, y'all snooze. You better be to church on time, because those who were here did not that song bless you. Man, we got the DJ stuff up here. Man, it was amazing. It was an amazing song. Y'all better come here early and be on time. It says here, for the purpose of his will, in order that we were the first to put our hope in Christ, verse 12, might be for the praise of his glory, verse 13. And you also, nudge your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Come on, nudge your neighbor, he's talking about you. And you also were included, what? In, y'all left me hanging, you were included and Christ kept on going with the theme. Now do you know why the sermon series for the book of Ephesians is said in him? That's why we're learning it in the, in the sermon series about being in Jesus. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in, come on, marked in him. I Man, I want to throw the mic at some of you guys right now. I really do. I want to throw the mic. Jesus, I need patience right now. I'm trying to read your Bible, but they're not listening. They're not excited. Help them, Lord. Oh, Dios mío. Okay. Are you all going to help me? Are you, are you going to help me read the Bible? 
And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him, thank you, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You just read 14 verses. In those verses, you heard a lot about being in Christ and the things that we are to be thankful for. The mini-series in the series of In Him is these 14 things that Paul was thankful for. We've been going through them verse by verse, blessed with every spiritual blessing. They're all online or on our app. Chosen to be holy and blameless. Adoption to sonship. What do you think we're going to talk about today? Glorious grace. What are we going to talk about next week? Redemption and forgiveness, amen. Then lavished with wisdom and understanding, knowing God's mysterious will, unified with Christ, making my job easy as a pastor. All I have to do is tell you what the Bible says. Is that okay? I don't have to look at the news. I don't have to do those things. I'm not saying I have my head in the sand. I'm just telling you when it comes to preaching, do I have an easy job here? I really do. I just read what the Bible says, and I study it, and I give it to you. Knowing God's mysterious will, unified with Christ, God's plan. You see the verses there next to it, breaking it down for you. Made to praise God's glory, the gospel marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed inheritance, God's possession. So if there's any part of you right now saying, man, those 14 verses, I already got it down, Pastor. I got it. I know it all. You are prideful. There is no way you've got it all. As a matter of fact, when you hear this passage, it actually says the things we're learning now are the things that we will continue to learn in the ages to come. When we are with God face to face, these are the things we'll be talking about. We won't be talking about who's better, the Sox or the Cubs. We won't be figuring out... You know what place we should buy our shoes at, ladies, that have the best discounts. We will be talking about these things and going deeper and deeper and deeper in them. And so listen, if you want to go up to another level, you've got to grow up. So if you want to go up, you've got to grow up because if you stay where you are, you're going to make God throw up. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 says some of y'all make him puke. And the reason why we make God sick is the same way we get sick when we watch people that are sick. So watch it. When I have one of my children and look at me going, Dad, I'm about ready to throw up. (laughs) That makes me sick. When you are sick, it makes God sick. He doesn't want to see you that way. He loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. The grace of God is a transforming grace. Revelation 3.16 says, if you want to get stuck in your sin, that makes him sick. On the last day, he'll say, because you are not either hot or cold. You are lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't want that. You do not want that. So what do we want to do? We want to take these things that we're learning from the scriptures and apply them to our lives. If Paul was writing to the people in Chicago, what would the name of the book be? The Chicagoans. So he's writing through the people of Ephesus, and it's called the Ephesians. You are just like these people. You have a story similar to them. Maybe you're not ancient. Maybe you don't know all the things they do about the Romans, whatever. But they didn't know about America. They didn't know about technology. But what you do have in common are the most important themes, the most important things of your life you have in common with them. You need God. They needed God. You need to be saved. They needed to be saved. You have to make money to work, uh, to, work to make money to pay bills. They needed all of that. And Paul was saying, in the middle of your rat race, you better stop and start thanking God for some of the things that he's already done for you. If there was only a church that I knew put praise in their name, maybe I would go to that church. What church do you know puts praise in their name? What's the name of that church? 
Come on, look at it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with all of these spiritual blessings. And then he just names them off. He just names them off. And you and I, are just, we're just getting it going past us. And we need to stop and we need to take one at a time. Take one at a time and go, come on, let me, let me slow down my life. Let me turn off the game. Let me turn off the headphones. Let me put my mind on the things of God and let him fill my soul. Why is it we have so many mental uh, anguish in this world, so, so much mental turmoil when we have all of these things to distract us? It's because our distraction is part of the turmoil. We need to quiet ourselves before God and hear him speak these things to us. And what a beautiful message you have come today to be a part of, to hear about the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. The glorious grace of God is one of the common themes of Paul's message to the Ephesians. As a matter of fact, we've already preached a message on grace, if you remember, in verse 1. So it's already there for you to go back and review, but let me give the review to some of you who don't remember. Grace, or those who are new, is charis in the Greek. The New Testament was written in the language of Greek. What was the Old Testament written in? Hebrew, well done. The Greek language is used all throughout the New Testament and Hebrew in the Old Testament with a splash of Aramaic. It says grace means this huge definition I can give you, but you got to have more than head knowledge. you got to receive it with your heart. Think about it like this. You can know all day long about marriage, but it's not until you fall in love and are married that you understand it. Can I get an amen? You can hear all day long about children, but it's not until you have your own children that everything changes. And it's the same thing. I can tell you the definition of grace, but it is not until you personally experience, you're like, man, this grace up in my face is the place I want to be. See, some of you need to get in the place of grace up in your face. You've been putting too many things up in your face. You put your face on Facebook, but you need to put your face in his book. And you've been going to too many places that don't have grace, and you've been putting your face in too many situations that don't have grace. You need to get grace up in your face in this place. And then you need to take grace to every place you go and let them see it on your face. See, some of you right now aren't showing me the joy you have in your heart because some of you got a frown, you know, but you need to turn that frown upside down as I'm rhyming. But Listen, you need to show people on the outside that God has done something on the inside. Your face needs to represent his grace. You need to be a face of grace to this world, and you need to bring it to every place that you go. Here's the definition. God's unmerited favor, kindness displayed in saving and empowering the believer to live for Jesus, and watch this, to experience the fullness of the blessings in Christ. So grace is more than just forgiveness. Grace is an empowerment and a transformation of your life. If all you know is to tell God I'm sorry and be forgiven of your sins, you don't know the power of grace. You haven't experienced all the riches of grace. Grace ain't broke. Grace is rich and grace has more than enough power for your hour of temptation. Can I get an amen? When you look at the life of Paul and how he wrote about grace, he used that word kariz. He used it a hundred times in 13 of his letters. Do you think he was trying to tell people something about grace? 
If I tell it to you a hundred times, do you think it's important? How many of you have friends that you got to repeat the thing to them like ten times? Meet me here, meet me here at this time, at this Well, I don't know. Where are we meeting at? Do you not know how to read a text? How many of you grew up with parents and they had to tell you 20 times? I grew up in a Polish home. It wasn't said until my Polish dad said it five times, okay? That's how I was brought up. Are you listening to me? We have, we have to go back to the Bible and go, what is the point of this man telling it to me a hundred times? And if we believe that confession, that this is the word of God spoken by men through the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is putting it on his heart to do that. Just alone in the book of Ephesians, it's found 12 times. How many want to see it 12 times in the book of Ephesians? Can I get an amen? All right, some of y'all don't want to see it in Ephesians. What would you want to see? Would you like me to show you grace in Oprah Winfrey's talk show? How many want to learn grace from the book of the Bible today that talks about grace? How would you like to see it? Let's look at it, right? If this bores you, then you're boring because this is the most exciting thing of eternity right now. The grace of God is what changes lives. The grace of God will do more for you than your human effort had ever done for yourself. And we're going to get to that. But I want to show it to you 12 times. Now, some of you remember I read it before, but we came to church to read the Bible again, right? You do have the book at home too, don't you? Now you have it on your phone. Is it okay if I read it again here? Okay, we started off in the book of Ephesians. We've already preached on it, but just for your remembrance, here it is. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that we know is that Paul prays for grace in their face upon the places that they go in life. That's something you and I should do. Pray for grace and peace everywhere we go in life. I pray that you have grace today. I pray that you experience the grace of God upon your job, the grace of God upon your family. Let's look at that part that we just learned about before, that first part of the chapter 1, 5 and 6, and just note that the grace of God is called glorious grace. This is not just an ordinary grace. This is a glorious grace. This is not a grace that you just give somebody to get something back. Well, I'll do that for you if you do this for me. Well, you've been nice to me, so I'll be nice to you. No, this is glorious grace. And then look at that passage as well. It says his grace is rich. That means you'll never show up to a situation with God where he goes, you know what? I just ran out. I gave it all to Joe last week. I don't have any more grace. The Bible says this. Look at the Lord's prayer. It said that we should pray. Forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive others. How many know you need a lot of grace for your sins to be forgiven? He's rich in grace. He'll never forgive. Uh, he'll never forget all that you need. He'll be there every time, and he has enough to do it. How many know your friends need forgiveness? A whole lot of it, right? He'll never run out for them. And then what's the next part say? And it says, deliver us from evil. Not only is God's grace rich to forgive my, my sins and my friends' sins, God's grace is rich to keep me out of sin. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that. Well, I just want the grace of God to forgive me when I thin, Pastor, because I just can't help it when I thin, and I don't know how to stop. See, that's how we think, isn't it? And I call that greasy grace. You just want grace, just, ah, you know, God, I'm sorry I cussed, but I'm going to cuss again tomorrow, and I'll just come back and have you forgive me again. The illustration that I use, you know, is this dirty rag I keep in my garage, and I was just using it the other day to clean my lawnmower, and then I cleaned my bike, and you see, for me, I don't care how dirty I get or how dirty my bike gets a lawnmower, that little rag is going to be there for me. I don't give a rip about how dirty that rag gets. I just want it to be there when I need it, and you see, a lot of us just think about God and his blood and what Jesus did on the cross just like that. I don't care what it costs for me to be forgiven. I don't care that he had to be whipped 39 times, crown of thorns, hang naked upon a cross for the world to see, just as long as he forgives me so I can go back and sin again. 
That's not the grace of God, your little dirty rag. The grace of God is precious. Every time you sin and you come to the blood of Jesus to be forgiven, you need to remember the cross and what your sin cost you. It's not cute, it's not okay, and it's serious. And so we say, thank you, God, for being rich in grace to forgive me now. And thank you, God, that I don't have to do this again. And so when I leave here, I am expecting you to be rich in grace to lead me out of temptation and to deliver me from the evil one. If I told you the last time I looked at pornography was 96, would you believe me or you think I'm lying to you? If I told you the last time I cussed was in 96, would you believe me? If I told you that there were things I've never done but I used to do all the time, would you believe me? See, it's my testimony. You may say, Pastor, but don't you still sin? Yeah, but I don't sin like the way I used to, and I don't keep sinning the way that I used to. It's not the amount, and it's not the same way. God has changed my life. You may not have met many people like that, but you're meeting one now. You can decide whether or not you believe me, but it is the truth according to my life. And anyone who has walked with me, especially those closest to me like my wife, they know this testimony is true because I've had a lot of reasons to cuss, but I haven't by God's grace. Amen. Y'all don't know what it's like to be a pastor, but that's okay. That's another story. The famous passage of Ephesians 2, 5 through 9, God made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. How many noticed that last week? Had a lot of visitors here, spoke on this popular passage of grace. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You see what I talked about here? It's also in chapter 1. It's here in chapter 2. At the end of the age, it's still about God's grace. Like I said, it's not about sports. It's not about jobs. It's about the grace of God. Those of us who experience heaven and then come down with Christ upon the earth and rule and reign with him, we are trophies of God's grace. The grace of God will be what we will want to discover. As excited as a zoologist is about studying animals, we'll be studying the grace of God. As excited as some of you guys are in getting your education, and I'm getting my doctorate and I'm excited, and as excited you are about studying the things of this world, we'll be studying the grace of God. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. That word gift in the Greek is charisma, charisma from the word charis. Literally, the word gift in the Bible plays off the word grace. So everything we are receiving as a gift is from the grace of God. Let that sink in for a moment, not by work so that no one can boast. Into Ephesians chapter 3, he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Do y'all get this? God gave Paul grace so that he could come to the place of Ephesus and do what he did. How many need some grace to go to the place you're going tomorrow? How many need some grace to go to your home today? Because you may be facing a difficult situation with your marriage or kids. How many of you young people need grace to go into the place called your school? Paul said, God gave me grace to do what I'm doing here for you. I'll speak right now and say everything I do here in this church is by the grace of God. Of course, it takes my human effort in cooperation. But as we've learned here before, it's not the cooperation that deserves the credit because I couldn't give myself air to breathe, let alone move my arms and do what I'm doing. It's the grace of God that we have the lives that we have, and then we cooperate and are obedient. Like we've talked about before as well, that man who scores the touchdown hits his knee and points to heaven. He's not saying I didn't have a team block for me. He's not saying I didn't practice. But what he is saying is I couldn't do any of of this without the grace of God. 
Look at Ephesians 3, 7, and 8 as Paul continues in that chapter. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Are you a servant of the gospel? You should be. If you say, I don't have anything to do with the gospel outside of church, then you're going to be in trouble. The Bible says that all of us are to take this gospel and to serve it to others. Gospel, since we're learning Greek, evangelion is where we get the word evangelize from. We are to take this gospel and serve it as waiters to this world. Sometimes they may slap it out of our hands, say, get that out of my face. Well, that's not my problem. I brought grace to your face, and you don't want it? I'll go to another place, and I'll be at Wright College tomorrow preaching the gospel as I have done for many, many times, and I'll keep going, and I'll keep finding someone who wants grace up in their face in that place. So he says, I've been, I'm a servant. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace, working through me by his power. So do you need the power of God to do the things of God? Yes, you do. How will you get the power? By God's grace. So anything God's called you to do, he's going to empower you to do. Everybody say, I am who he said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. Now put the tagline there, by his grace. See, by his grace, by his power, by his empowerment. Now somebody might be really smart going, well, I don't believe this, and I still do a lot of stuff in life, and I don't need God's grace. And hey, look at Bill Gates. He doesn't need God's grace, and he's a billionaire once again. We're not saying that you can't operate in the world God has already created without, his, uh, without the knowledge of his grace. You just couldn't do it without his grace, okay? So acknowledging it doesn't change the fact that he's done it. My child can say, I don't need your food. I don't need this. I don't need that. But there's one thing they can't take back, and that's my sperm. That's my sperm, folks. They can't, my child can't take back my sperm. You still needed that, didn't you? Right? And mama can look back. Are we, are we all, all crazy? This ain't even PG-13. This ain't even PG-13. I lost some of y'all in church. I am so sorry if I embarrassed you. I'm just saying you lost. Uh, I'm saying my child cannot say to me, Dad, I don't need you. I don't. But you did need me and my seed, right? You did need your mom and her egg. Are you guys listening? I don't care how well humanity has done after the garden with the little sand castles we make. We wouldn't have Jack Diddley if it wasn't God's grace to put it here to begin with. Like that old discussion between God and the devil. It's a, it's a fictional story, but it's like the devil says, I could do this better than you, Jesus. You messed up humanity. I can make them better. And, and God goes, okay, go ahead. Your turn. You go ahead and do it. And then he looked at the devil and said, but get your own dirt. See, the devil can't create anything. He can only manipulate and change what's already here. Try to create something out of nothing, my friends. Don't let them tell you that they can prove that in science. From nothing, nothing comes. Although I am least than all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach the, to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. We move on to see that each one, but to how many? But to how many? But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Do you have any good things in your life today? Can I hear an amen? How did you get those things? By the grace of God. Well, pastor, I like to cook. How did you get the gift of cooking? By God's grace. Pastor, I like to eat. Where did you get that gift from? The God, God's good grace. But don't you abuse that good gift. Amen? Well, pastor, I like to help out. I like to teach. I like to invent. I like to work with my hands. Where did you get that from? The grace of God. Chapter 4, verse 29. You're not bored with the Bible yet, are you? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building others up as fits the occasion that it may give what? Grace to those who hear. How many need some grace on their words? How many need to speak the words of grace to their spouses, to their children, 
to their neighbors, to fellow drivers in traffic. I'm going to build you up now, good sir, with my words. That thing you have there next to your steering wheel, it's called a turn signal. Anybody see that with the police officer? That new invention, you'll really find it handy next time. Beep, beep, try using it. <laughs> just setting myself free right now. I don't know if I can do that for me. I just can't say anything anymore. I just stay quiet. My wife will let them know every now and then. My wife will come out the car. Yeah, yeah, but... No, I'm just kidding. Half kid. Some people have driven with my wife. Okay. Um, it says, you know what? We need grace on our words. And then lastly, if you want to know what the last verse, the 155th verse of Ephesians looks like, here it is. It's the last verse, Ephesians 6, 24. It ends with grace. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. What is our part? Love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's his part? It's all the grace we need to get through this life. All you have to do is make that free will choice to say, God, I'm going to love you. Whenever I stumble, I'll come to that grace because I know you're rich in grace and you will provide for me. And so here's what we want to take away. The three things that makes God's grace so glorious. Hang in with me here. We're almost done, but I don't want you to miss this. Going back now to the uh, passage that we need to focus on, verse 6, and I'm going to borrow a, lit, a little bit from verse 7. We need to understand why God's grace is so glorious. It's a glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sin. Do you see? We don't get forgiveness without blood. Do you get that? So that's why we take grace serious. It cost his blood in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Write these down if you're taking notes or follow along on the app. Here it is. Three things that make God's grace glorious. Number one, it was freely given to us in Jesus Christ by his blood. All other religions talk about you working for grace, that you have to do this for God to do that. I know Christianity, when we talk about loving God, putting faith in God, it sounds like we may be saying the same thing, but we are not. I am not taking credit for forgiveness by simply accepting the forgiveness. Yes, I have a role to play. He's not going to say, here, take forgiveness. Now do you like it? Or he's not going to come and kidnap me in his white van without any windows and speed off and take me to heaven. I get to choose whether to resist or accept, but that never earns me credit for the gift of salvation. When you give somebody a gift, they can push it back in your face, can't they? But if they receive it, that means that they want your gift. Now, after they receive it, can they take credit and be like, I'm so awesome. Look at this gift. I deserve this. No. All the gift does is speak about the gift giver. It speaks about the character of the person giving the gift. The one receiving it, it's up to them to receive or reject. And so, yes, we get a choice, but we never earn it. Just as if I would give you a Lamborghini because I won the lottery. Yeah, you could throw the keys back at me and say, man, I'd rather have a, you know, a Ferrari. Forget a Lamborghini. You, know, you could be ungrateful. Or you could accept it. But the moment you accept it, you can't say, well, because I accepted it, I earned this. No, no, no. I still had to purchase it. Are you listening to me? No Christian can ever take credit for their salvation. All we can do is receive it. Look at Revelations chapter 5, verse 9. There is a song that they sing in heaven, and it's all about God's grace. Though it doesn't mention the word, the foundation for it is there. This is a song, by the way, we will all sing because it's actually a picture of the future. 
You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. These are the seals of judgment. Because you were slain. Now look at this last part. And with your what? Thank you. With your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. Can I hear an amen? That's what he did. That's what he did. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord, I accept. I believe you paid for me. You had me on your mind that day you died so that I could receive that glorious grace. The next thing that we see is that the glorious grace of God is so awesome because he's rich in giving it. And as I got a little ahead of myself, you understand what this means now. It never runs out. When I say, Lord, forgive my debts, I never have to worry about it running out. As you forgive my debtors, never have to worry about it running out. And then lead me not into temptation. Never have to worry about it running out. They'll never be be a temptation, whether it's a man on a computer and all of a sudden that that, that person comes up and you want to look at them and do things, God will give you grace not to do that. Or ladies, if you're passing by the mall and you see these shoes on sale but you know you don't have the money, God will give you grace. Sorry to be stereotypical, but are you listening? God will give you grace. God will give you grace in every place that you seek his face. Let's put it that way. And then lastly, what made God's, God's grace so glorious is that he's lavished it on us. I mean, let's think of those words. We think of lavish as the rich and the famous. They, You know, Beyonce bought uh, Jay-Z a $40 million jet. And we're like, that is amazing. And then, you know what? He bought her an island. I mean, and they're like the most popular couple for lavishing each other with the greatest imaginable gifts, literally buying each other islands and private jets. God's grace is lavished on you more than that. More than any earthly treasure you and I could ever think about, God lavishes us more than that. I don't know if you remember watching one of those shows with the, uh, the duck, and he was rich, and he lived in that palace, and he had all the gold there, and he would swim around in the gold. What was that duck called? No, no, it wasn't mixed. Ducktails. What was that main duck's name? Was it Duck McScrooge? Oh, it was. Okay, thank you. I thought we were confusing two stories. But, you know, when I used to watch that commercial and he would be like just backstroking in the gold and all of that, how many of you, if you remember back at this moment, you would say, I wish I was that guy. I wish I was there. Or if you saw a much cooler, more recent one, The Hobbit, when they get to that place, when they want to get the dragon's gem, and there's just this whole palace of where the dwarves used to live, and it's all filled with gold and gems. More than that. More than that. Grace that not only lasts a lifetime, but for eternity. Never-ending grace. Can I preach to you now? Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. I got to preach to you now. I had to say all of that to say what I got to say here. I want you to hear this today because I know a lot of us, we miss this, okay? Go with me on this little journey into the the book of the Bible, uh, the books of the Bible known as the Gospels, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you meet these people who are called the Pharisees. And instantly, if you've read the Bible or even seen Mel Gibson's movie about the crucifixion, all of a sudden you realize these guys called the Pharisees are the bad guys. These guys never get it. They're always on the wrong side of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, they're responsible for getting Jesus killed. The Romans didn't have a problem with Jesus until these guys created the problem, okay? Now, 
track with me here. What we don't understand about these Pharisees is the problem that we don't understand about ourselves because here's the story behind the story. When the last book of the Old Testament was finished, Malachi, in the new book, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew started, there was 400 years known as the intertestamental period. And that meant into intertestaments, into time between the old and the new. 400 years passed by. And what God did is he raised up these Jewish men known as the Pharisees to take the law of Moses, hold it seriously, and then fight against the pagans that were overcoming them. And the reason why the pagans were overcoming their nation of Israel was because they and their forefathers had worshipped wrong gods. And so it was like they were worshipping the God of Babylon, and, and, and God kept warning them and warning them, and they didn't stop. And so God said, I'm going to have Babylon come here and kick your butt, and now you can worship their God and see how much you like it. And he did that twice, once with Babylon, once with Assyria. But these guys rose up during the Maccabean revolt, and they started saying, we're going to fight against these nations, and they actually won their freedom. And then they said, we're going to take back over our synagogues, make them places of holiness and the law of Moses. We're going to do it for God and for our king. And they were awesome. But what happened was they forgot the grace of God. They then got conquered themselves. And then they became legalistic because they said, we never want to go back to that place of bondage of the other nations. Now, here is where you meet them in the New Testament after 400 years of history. You meet them, and they're arguing with Jesus, and they're fighting with Jesus, and we don't understand why they're so graceless because we see them as others and not as ourselves. And so let me just walk you through their lives really quick, some of the famous stories about them. The, one of the famous ones is uh, Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. These Jewish Pharisees take the woman, throw her down, and says she was having sex with a man and paying as a prostitute, being paid. What should we do with her? You all remember the story? Well, the thing is, where's the guy? So they don't care about the guy. They just want to set up this poor woman and, and see if Jesus is going to stone them, uh, stone her, right? And then what does Jesus say? He was without the, the, the sin, throw the first stone, right? And so we look at this, and we're like, you guys are idiots. What is wrong with you? You take out the poor woman out of her bed. You throw her before Jesus, and then you have the gall to say you're going to stone her because you're so righteous. Shame on you. I'm so glad Jesus put you in your place. And then we go to the other famous story, Good Samaritan. Ever heard that? Did you ever wonder why it wasn't called the Good Jew or the Good Pharisee? Because Jesus actually picks the half-breed in their mind, the one that they racially called dogs, the ones who the pagans intermingled with with the Jewish people and produced. So what was a Samaritan? Half Jewish, half Assyrian. Half Jewish, half Babylon. Half Jewish, half pagan. And now they're talking to Jesus about his great commandment to love others as uh, they love themselves and their neighbor and all of that. And they're like, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Because they can't be this one. It can't be this one. And then he tells the entire story about a Jewish man being robbed. And the Jewish people, his own people, are the buffoons. They're the ones who walk right by him. And who's the hero of the story? The Samaritan. This would be like Jesus telling the story in the deep south to a bunch of white people going, hey, I'm going to tell you a story where all you slave owners look stupid, and it's Kuta Kinte's the hero. He breaks down all of their racial prejudice right there. And we're just saying, Jesus, you better tell them. You better tell them how racist they are because we know what it's like to be around racists. You tell them they're so dumb being racist. And then what's that third story that we all remember, the biggest one? 
they betray Jesus. And we're just sitting back. And you know, you've watched it as well as I've watched it on the movies. And you're just like, I want to slap that Caiaphas, that main priest, right upside his head. I want to tackle Judas. And, and then we watch them turn the crowd against Jesus, the same crowd that was saying Hosanna the week before, the ones that he fed, the thousands that he had following him. They turn and manipulate these little sinister guys. And we're just sitting there going, shame on you. You stupid, stupid people. But here's the problem. We don't understand why they became so graceless. It's because it's often the same reason why we become graceless and don't understand the glory of God. You see, when you go back to that story about the woman caught in adultery, I wonder if there's ever a time where you've pointed at somebody that you think's worse than you. And you say, I'm a pretty good sinner, but this one, this one right, this gang member here, Jesus, what are you going to do? You're going to send them to hell? I'll help you send them there, Jesus. Or you're at your school, young people, and you're like, well, I sleep with my boyfriend, but this girl sleeps with everybody. Let's tell them. Let's tell the school. Let's shame them. I wonder how often you or I, just like Pharisees, gracelessly throw sinners before Jesus and go, I'm not as bad as them, and I'll stone them if you want. Or I wonder how many times we pick who our neighbors are and we say, well, if they don't vote like this or if they don't have my background, they're not my neighbor. If they're not my gente, if they're not my paisan, if they're not my boys, if they're not my coworkers, if they're not on my team, I don't want to do anything for them. Why should I do anything for my boss? My boss didn't do anything for me. Let her get fired. My neighbor doesn't care about me. Why should I tell them that their garage door's open? I don't care about my neighbor. You see, how quickly do we find ourselves gracelessly, without grace, without grace, graceless, just like the Pharisees? And then, well, well, we would never betray Jesus, would we? Now, that's probably why I even bring that one up because we, 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 would never, we would never put anybody before Jesus and say, give me Barabbas instead of Jesus. We would never say, give me the game instead of church, right? We would never say, give me a raise and I'll stop going to Bible study. We would never say, well, I'll do this so I can get this. We would probably do it now, right, because I see it happen all the time. Well, if the world offers me this, I'll take it. And Jesus can just, well, where do you go, Jesus? Well, I just, I just, I just think you belong there. Jesus, I have a boyfriend, and it doesn't matter if they live for God. That's where I want you to be, and I'll, I'll come see you when I'm ready. Oh, Jesus, my coworker loves me more than my spouse. Don't you tell me I can't, because I deserve this. We trade him all the time because we don't understand his grace. And here's the problem. We will never see the glorious grace of God until we see the wretchedness of our sinfulness. You see, it's not until you see yourself as the one that's just as judgmental as those Pharisees that now you're pleading to Jesus, Jesus, I have sinned and I don't want to throw stones. Forgive me. It's not until you see yourself like that that the grace of God is awesome. Instead of being the Pharisee, you're the woman being thrown down. 
And it's not until you are in need of somebody's help who doesn't look like you, talk like you, vote like you, that you then can finally say, I'll love now others the way I want to be loved. I need that grace. And then lastly, it's not until you've seen how many times you've put him on that cross because he got in the way of your life that you understand it's glorious. It's rich. It never runs out. And he did that for us. Because on that cross, to the very worst of them, what did he say? Because I believe he said it to me. He said it to me, and he said it to you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's glorious grace. It's more than here. It's in here. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Band, would you come, please? Let's close out today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the words that you've given us. Lord, I know that we've heard a lot, but I pray that we remember that which is most important, that your grace is glorious, that your grace has been amazing in our lives, as that old song used to be, your amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you do me a favor right now and ask yourself, have I been saved by that grace? If you haven't right now, would you confess Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Don't make excuses. Just say, Jesus, I believe you purchased for me salvation by your blood. I believe in you today. I accept you as the Lord of my life. Come in to my heart and change me. Those who are praying for salvation, and there may be many or some, it doesn't matter, or if it's just one today, we're going to let you pray. As those are praying, next, let's talk to those of you who say they're Christ you're Christians. Is there any sin in your life right now? that the grace of God wants to transform you out of and to change you from? Ask him right now to forgive you, and not only forgive you, but to change you, to break bad habits, to change your way of thinking about that sin. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe you've argued with your wife, husbands. You've been harsh to her. Your words haven't been filled with grace. Would you say to the Lord, forgive me? Forgive me, and then now say it in that same breath, now, Lord, transform me so that my words will be graceful to her. Come on, young people. Are you listening and obeying your parents? This message on grace is so good of a reminder for all of us. God's grace forgives, and God's grace changes. And thirdly, let's say you're here today, and you go, man, I'm saved. Whenever I sin, I'm quick to repent. I got it, Pastor. Okay, let's go with to the to the next step. Let's grow up so we can go up to another level. Let's pray that you can bring that grace. Serve it to others right now. Pray for three people in your life you want to serve the grace of God to tomorrow. Whatever job you're at, whether you're a teacher, whether you're uh, going to work with difficult customers, that wherever you are, you're going to serve up grace. Yeah, they're not always going to treat you right. Look at what they did to Jesus, the most gracious man. You may get mistreated, but we're here to serve up grace. We're making a decision to serve it up. Three people, three kinds of people are praying, those who need to be saved, those who need to be delivered from sin, and those who want to serve the gospel to others. Can we pray before we sing in closing 30 seconds right now? Not just a preacher's words, but our words from our heart to our Lord and Savior. Save, forgive, and empower us by your gospel. Save us, transform us, and use us.
15 more seconds, God can do it. Why? Because he loves us by his grace. By the grace of God, we'll be changed. By the grace of God, we'll be changed. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Not by work that we would boast. Don't take credit for that Lamborghini. Give it back to God. Say, Lord, thank you. Could never have earned it on my own, but I'll receive it. I could never change my attitude, but I'll receive a new one because you said you would give it to me. I can't fix this marriage, can't fix my family, but I'll let you do it because I believe you are the God who loves me and who purchased me with his blood. We're going to close out in prayer. Altar workers, would you come? These are just grace-filled brothers and sisters who are here to pray with you at the end of every service. As we get ready to dismiss, I'm going to pray for us today to live out in that glorious grace. And today, I pray that you leave different than the way you came. Father, thank you for all of the people that came here today. I ask you now to bless us as we go our separate ways. May your grace be what captivates us. May your grace be what we take to every place we go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus and his grace. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, it's by his grace. Amen. God bless you.